0: Hello and welcome back to Interpreting India. As the world looks hopefully to emerge from the shadow of the coronavirus pandemic, the first few months of 2022 have been defined by another variant of COVID-19, precarious geopolitical relations, and a rapidly evolving technological landscape. This season, we at Carnegie India are examining many of the challenges and opportunities that India will confront in the coming decade. I'm your host, Deepal, and this week we are diving deep into the recent G7 summit and what it means for India. The Group of Seven, or G7, an informal forum of leading industrial nations comprising the United States, the United Kingdom, Germany, France, Italy, Japan, and Canada, hosted its 48th summit on June 26th to 28th in Germany. The summit, which aims to coordinate global policy, has come at a time when countries across the globe are still coping with the economic and political disruptions caused by the pandemic and the war in Ukraine. The G7 is thus expected to lead a global recovery from the pandemic through initiatives like Build Back Better World and take further action against Russia for its invasion of Ukraine. India, which is caught between its desire to build stronger ties with G7 countries and its old friend Russia, accepted Germany's invitation and attended the summit. In this episode of Interpreting India, we analyze what India's G7 invite signifies amid a contentious geopolitical environment. How do the G7 countries perceive India? How can India partner with the G7 in achieving climate neutrality and green transition? What are the key takeaways for India's participation in the summit? And what relevance does this hold for India's G20 presidency later in the year? Joining us today for this discussion is Dr. Sachin Chaturvedi. Dr. Chaturvedi is Director General at the Research and Information System for Developing Countries, a New Delhi based policy research institute. He's also a member of the Board of Governors at the Reserve Bank of India. He was a Global Justice Fellow at the Macmillan Center for International Affairs at Yale University. He works on issues related to development economics, involving development finance, sustainable development goals, and South South cooperation. Dr. Chaturvedi, welcome to Interpreting India. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Deep. Dr. Chaturvedi, as we record this podcast, Prime Minister Modi is in Bavaria. He's attending the G7 summit uh, where he has been invited along with South Africa, Senegal, and Indonesia. Now, let's start with your thoughts on India's participation. Uh, This is not the first time India has been invited. Uh, The Prime Minister himself has been there twice before this. Uh, Prime Minister Singh has been there multiple years. Even Prime Minister Vajpayee attended in 2003. However, this time, the invite and the summit, it comes in the middle of significant challenges to the global order redrawing of partnerships. And India has been clear about keeping its options open and working with all parties. In fact, the Prime Minister attended a virtual BRICS summit just last week. Now, in view of these developments, how different do you see this visit from being the previous ones?
1: I think you have set the right context. And uh, this context comes in uh, uh, from the contestations that we are viewing and immediately after the G7 summit, countries, uh, those who are members would move to the NATO alliance meeting, which is uh, 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 over the weekend, uh, just before uh, uh, the uh, summit declarations, et cetera, are coming out. The NATO alliance uh, and the G7 which has emerged more as a grouping of uh, uh, rich democracies of the world has invited India and, as you rightly said, uh, uh, South Africa and uh, and, Silicon have also been invited. Indonesia as the current chair of G20 is important. And this is where Argentina's role is also of great significance. I think uh, these participations and the level at which uh, German presidency of G7 has pitched in to bring in G7 and G20 Connect, which we would be discussing a little later. But from that perspective, the idea to engage with India is of great significance. It's important because the Madrid NATO Summit. be immediately after the g7 and this is when the set of issues which are uh, being posed here as we uh, uh, saw uh, today's uh, uh, declaration that has come out in terms of uh, uh, bringing in the uh, partnership for global infrastructure uh, initiative as, as giving in the new uh, connotations to uh, uh, to the BRI and our response to BRI, but also uh, U.S. delegations' very clear demand of addressing coercive economic practices or unfair policies, as as some of the issues that have come in. And the global economy at this point is also grappling with the challenge of inflation. Across the globe, almost all countries are facing the disruption of supply chains uh, and the issues that are related to uh, uh, climate change, uh, uh, the uh, need to have uh, uh, the BRI-related uh, uh, initiatives to be contested, not only through uh, monetary provisions, but through others. So from that perspective, overall, I see this idea of uh, inviting India to a great extent uh, very timely. It is also important for us to see how do we collectively respond to the WHO call for providing vaccination to 70% of the world's population. And that has to be done within the next two years as the deadline of, uh, of WHO. The idea of uh, uh, investments in renewable energy is another dimension uh, that requires India as a solution provider. So deep, it is important for us to realize that India is now a connect. India is now a connect between the two worlds, the two poles which are confronting. The earlier position of non-aligned countries is not something that we can afford now. We are playing this very constructive and creative role that uh, Prime Minister uh, Modi took upon himself in 2015 uh, when the COP uh, was not moving at all in Paris. And this is where uh, India's role as a constructive, creative uh, uh, mega economy is something which is absolutely important. And that's why I see this call of G7 to have India on the table is extremely important.
0: You have touched upon a number of important points and we will unpack them gradually. But if I can start from the fact that, you know, in the last couple of months, there was a lot of conversation, even speculation or newspaper reports about um, India's position uh, with relation to the entire Russia-Ukraine issue, whether or not India would actually participate in the G7. Now, the fact that India has finally been invited and we have seen... Uh, The the Indian officials right up to the external affairs minister talking about India's position, explaining India's stand a number of times over the last weeks. Now, the fact that India is finally participating, what does that signal about India's relation with G7 countries? Uh, Would you look at this as a better understanding of India's interests, of India's principles, India's stand than there was, let's say, a few months ago? Well, certainly, because I think uh, if you look at the uh, uh, narrative
1: setting that has come in, the dimensions of our engagement that have come in, I think they all are extremely important in terms of identifying the dimensions of engagement through some points which uh, have been uh, highlighted by Prime Minister Modi and by the External Affairs Minister of Shankar. The idea of our commitment for democracy, the idea of uh, our strategy to have people-centric development, the whole of society approach, and even at the uh, 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 COP27 that we are going to highlight the issues uh, in Egypt, uh, which are more related to sustainable consumption and production. And as you referred earlier, we are also part of the uh, BRICS process where India during the, India's presidency last year emphasized on, uh, on sustainable consumption and production. So these various dimensions, they bundle up in a situation where uh, uh, when you talk from the perspective of uh, uh, a developing economy, an emerging market economy, um, an economy that uh, uh, is, is looking for uh, new horizons of development, I think the role comes in with the huge development finance that we we uh, command on 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 our uh, in uh, both investment and also uh, in terms of outbound investment from our country. So that's where India's role uh, assumes much greater significance. And this is something that uh, both uh, the EAM and the PM have uh, articulated. And this is something which German Chancellor uh, Scholz uh, himself uh, uh, explained during the uh, Prime Minister's visit last month. The idea of India-German partnership uh, for uh, uh, just transition and and that uh, idea of uh, triangular cooperation, the idea of uh, a new development paradigm, which both Germany and India now are looking at uh, post-Washington consensus. They all are setting in new initiatives, which are, uh, if to be captioned, they can be captioned under a green and sustainable partnership something that India and Germany signed together during the last visit of the prime minister, which was not uh, far away, just a couple of weeks back. So these are dimensions deep that have uh, highlighted the role that India is willing to play uh, in the days to come. And this is something uh, which is extremely important for us to uh, 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 to to take forward, there are a couple of issues which have uh, also come up uh, during G7 presidency on which uh, specific reactions are are yet to be highlighted, but definitely uh, uh, the idea of uh, healthy lives, which. Uh, are German government has highlighted with support for COVAX and uh, and taking, as I said, vaccination program further forward. G7 is extremely keen to have India's partnership in that. And that gives the rationale in terms of what partnership we bring in. The idea of uh, investment in better future is something again, uh, uh, which is of uh, of significance both for food security and for girls' education, the two areas that have been highlighted. And this is uh, uh, equally good for climate and health related issues, which have also been. So these are the four broad areas which have come in for uh, uh, for um, uh, better future investment portfolio that B7 has a- highlighted and has uh, asked the partner countries. To, to, to cooperate. And this is uh, largely, I see, in terms of uh, uh, the uh, ma, uh, a caption that uh, ma, ma Chancellor Scholz mentioned uh, in his speech, uh, and, and, and tackling that as, uh, is stronger together. And that's where uh, the German presidency of G7 uh, is vigorously trying to bring in all various actors together. And that's where deep I feel that uh, uh, this is overcoming the failure of the Anglo-Saxon uh, development initiatives, where we saw huge exclusions. But the mainland Europe, both France and Germany, are now trying to see how uh, uh, the international institutional architectures are uh, accommodating new actors uh, uh, from various fields. They may be from uh, uh, the African Union context, so Senegal, uh, the G20, so Indonesia, uh, and the forthcoming presidency, India. Uh, But also, uh, uh, we are seeing South Africa and Argentina on table. And this is what I think explains the idea of taking this all together, both for economic stability and transformation, but also for sustainable uh, uh, economic recovery and and, uh, inclusive economic growth. That gives the bandwidth in terms of all initiatives that are there. There might be some agreements, some disagreements, like, for instance, uh, uh, the idea of sustainable planet is something we all agree with. Uh, but uh, the idea of Climate Club, which has come on the table, the specific declaration of G7 is yet to be out. Uh, but if you see, uh, uh, the dimension is uh, is very clear in terms of uh, uh, of. Um, uh, nor does the famous economist who actually proposed the idea in 2015. The climate club is basically trying to address issues where everybody has to play. The historic emission levels would be undermined, and everyone who is accessing new technologies would have to pay. So this is something that uh, India may have some reservations for, but I think uh, uh, um, it's, it's worth discussing and taking it forward. The idea is also to uh, uh, sort of uh, recalibrate a couple of positions like, for instance, uh, 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 common but differentiated responsibilities, CBDR, that we have been talking about. India has been now emphasizing on uh, common but differentiated responsibilities and respective capabilities. So capability is is sharp in focus. So it is CBDR, but CBDR-RC uh, uh, respective uh, uh, capability. So then you get the opportunity to dovetail your own concerns and priorities in the larger context. But India is not a dissenting voice anymore and, and uh, breaking out of the grouping. We are very much part of it. We are engaged. We are constructively contributing. We are taking upon ourselves responsibilities, uh, like, for instance, in case of net zero emissions. We took up the responsibility upon ourselves. We have given timeline, and we have uh, agreed for reduction in uh, uh, in emissions that are there. So deep, uh, uh, some of these dimensions are are absolutely clear. We are no more uh, norm uh, take up. We are also suggesting new ideas, like Prime Minister's idea uh, that came out uh, of life, the lifestyle for environment, and that has given us uh, a, a sort of uh, opportunity to uh, uh, to have uh, what uh, Prime Minister called as uh, as Panchamrit, where uh, uh, the five commitments were were highlighted. Uh, so increase of uh, of non-fossil energy capacity uh, to 500 gigawatt by 2030. So this is something where our commitment on renewable energy is very much on track with what Germany, uh, France, UK, Canada, they have uh, uh, committed themselves to. Like Japan is just 38% and they want to announce it. We are also announcing uh, to 500 gigawatts. So that is by 2070 when we are having the net zero idea. We are also very much uh, uh, keen to have by 2030 at least 50% of our renewable energy uh, uh, as source of energy for us. We are also uh, committed in terms of uh, reduction in overall uh, anti-carbon emissions and and, uh, 2030 India's economy uh, uh, would have to reduce carbon intensity by more than 45%. So these are some of the dimensions of our uh, engagement with the Life Movement and Global Initiative, where we are trying to see how some of these dimensions of engagement are very much part of the larger uh, sort of effort uh, which we are making uh, from uh, the perspective of uh, addressing not only uh, the new norms that are coming in collectively from all countries, but India is also contributing uh, to the new uh, engagements that are uh, on the table.
0: Right, right. Uh, <clears throat> so, Sachin, you you talked about the Panchamrit, right? The same document talks about two of major concerns that India brought up, one being uh, climate financing and the other being affordable climate technologies, right? And earlier, we were talking about the Partnership for Global Investment and Infrastructure that's been announced, which, as I understand... Uh, we'll invest in funds and companies that work on agriculture, food systems, climate, rural economy, and so on. Right. So while the climate finance aspect seems to have been taken care of, one of the major concerns continues to be uh, climate technologies that developing countries can access uh, and 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 can uh, you know deploy. Right. Do you see India making? Do you see this being a conversation? Do you see India making? Uh, um, Uh, you know, uh, some kind of advancement in this, because this has been uh, a traditional bone of contention in in, in this discussion.
1: No, definitely. Now, uh, uh, the issue of uh, uh, India uh, committing to uh, 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 climate change mitigation strategies only if new technologies are given or if finance is made available, Uh, A sort of disconnect has come in, and Prime Minister has uh, uh, suggested this point absolutely clear uh, that we are going to go ahead with our own responsibility. We would need finance, we would need technology, but that would not be the fulcrum uh, on on, on which we would take the call. We have taken the call. We have provided the leadership, the global leadership that is needed on climate change. We are going to bring in more countries, be that as part of BRICS or uh, 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 within G20, uh, even uh, in the climate change. So on all, uh, we are going to go forward. But India is not forgetting the Addis Ababa Action Agenda. See, there are three uh, uh, broad uh, conversations which we began in 2015. One was the Agenda 2030, the SDG goals. The second was the climate deal uh, at Paris, so Paris uh, 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 um, uh, um, uh, sort of uh, agreement that we arrived for climate change. And the third was Addis Ababa Action Agenda. Addis Ababa Action Agenda, AAAA, was largely to have uh, finance made available. Largely to have uh, uh, global conversations that are needed uh, uh, in terms of both uh, our idea of uh, uh, partnership for global tax reforms, uh, global reforms in terms of finance flows, and also global governance on illicit financial flows. And and these dimensions we are addressing both through the BAPs in the G20 process, but also uh, through other platforms in the UN and elsewhere. And this, I think, requires uh, the global appreciation that India's commitments are no longer subject to financial assistance from the north or uh, their uh, support for uh, uh, issues uh, related to technology. We are no more asking for that. But what we are saying is that under uh, uh, Agenda 2030, Sustainable Development Goals, uh, India, Brazil, and France uh, pressed for negotiations based on creation of technology facilitation mechanism, TFM. And this TFM should be operationalized for making uh, uh, climate-sensitive technologies made available. There are several uh, new initiatives coming in. The whole idea of Climate Club, which I mentioned, undermines our commitment on 2030, uh, which this G7 meeting is likely to propose. The German background note on G7, and since I was in Berlin uh, uh, just three weeks back for the uh, uh, for T7, the, the Think Tank 7 uh, meeting, uh, I, I gathered details about uh, uh, the concept of uh, Climate Club. And I think it undermines the, uh, 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 the proposal of the technology facilitation mechanism. So developed countries would also have to realize that developing countries or countries like India, which are emerging economies, are ready to play the ball. But but, it should not be forbative in terms of uh, foreclosing options for countries which are uh, 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 in the technology race and 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 those foreclosing options would also have their imperatives on finance and this is again uh, uh, deep I want to reemphasize in terms of the point that I raised earlier of the global inflation. All countries are grappling with the challenges of the post COVID situation we are in. Our economies are, are bouncing back. They are they are coping mm-hmm. up the uh, tightrope walk of the fin- uh, monetary policy and fiscal policy we are witnessing in this country, but many other countries are also going through that. Because we have seen the global disruption of the supply chains, there is an important opportunity for us to work collectively. So such proposals... Uh, should have the rationality, the policy space for countries that are ready to play this global role, that should be created. It should be ensured and it should be respected. And that's where uh, I think the role for uh, G7, for a meaningful conversation uh, with the larger community of G20, would be there. And that, I think, uh, uh, creates the space uh, for countries to have innovative proposals which are going to bring everyone along on the same page. So I think the idea of Climate Club would require a bit of retweaking in terms of how we bring all actors together.
0: I'm I'm glad you brought it to the question of, you know, the G20, uh, G7 synergies, because uh, uh, with Indonesia, which is the current G20 president being present there, and India also being there, uh, poised to take over from Indonesia later in the year, uh, now obviously, there is a lot of conversation about um, synergies between the two set of economies, the G7 and the G20, right? But at the same time, you know, uh, when we look at the the priorities for G20, they are, as you also mentioned, inflation. Uh, there, there are questions of unemployment, and uh, there are uh, issues of uh, uh, infrastructure, right? Which, to an extent, European Commission's Global Gateway and the just announced partnership for global investment and infrastructure do address. But the the focal areas as we have seen news coming out from Germany uh, for G7 countries has a bit, has a lot more been on Russia for G20 countries. The focus areas are very different. So how do you, how do you see these two sets of different kind of concerns, different kind of priorities aligning? ahead of the G20 meetings later in the year?
1: Uh, I think uh, they would play an extremely important role in terms of how we allow uh, uh, our uh, G7 engagement uh, uh, for uh, uh, setting the ball rolling for our G20 presidency. We are already part of Troika uh, with uh, uh, Italy, Indonesia, and uh, and, uh, and India we are going to play an important role which we are already engaged with in terms of the g20 process of uh, uh, providing policy inputs we take over later this year for g20 presidency so obviously there would be continuation of issues because same set of countries would come our side on 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 several of these issues and there would be discussion so I think uh, uh, the dimensions uh, um, that are emerging now would have to be reconsidered, and the world would have to work together. The setting up of Quad, the setting up of uh, uh, the Indo-Pacific, the idea of India working closely with the United States in the, uh, um, uh, the Indo-Pacific Economic Framework, IBEF, and also uh, uh, the idea of we contributing uh, in the Partnership for Global Infrastructure, uh, uh, PGII, we would have to see how we all uh, put our energies together. And this, I think, would be uh, very much uh, evident in terms of how these uh, engagements are taken forward. So in the G20 presidency of India, several of these issues would come in. Some of them would be contentious. Some of them would provide scope for everyone to come along. And some of the proposals probably would have to be left aside because there may not be agreement on on, on them. Now, The issues where uh, immediate uh, agreement may come in, Uh, are giving scope in terms of how uh, we all collectively move towards sustainable consumption production more through uh, uh, the net zero uh, commitments that we have. We also have the opportunity to uh, address the health infrastructure issues, the agriculture issues, the rural finance and rural development issues. There are also issues which are related to, uh, as I said in the beginning, uh, the uh, 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 gender and, and girls' child uh, rela- uh, uh, education-related issues. So Those dimensions are are important. India's own development story of digitalization, the payment gateway and the architecture, uh, the success that we have achieved in India, as yesterday also Prime Minister highlighted, 40% of the global transactions are coming from India. These are some of the issues which are uh, going to give uh, greater uh, uh, sort of leeway within G20. As it is about finance, it is also bringing in the BAPS-related issues and also uh, the development finance-related issues. The idea of uh, 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 development also requires revisiting. And this is being highlighted by several global movements on the ground. And this, I think, uh, uh, would be important for for India to come in, be that through coalition of disaster-resilient infrastructure, be that through uh, uh, the uh, uh, issues which are coming in through renewable energy and also uh, what we established with Sweden on leadership group for uh, industry uh, uh, transition uh, the lead IT. So all these different uh, permutation combinations would also play an extremely important role in terms of how we define our presidency of G20 and in what way uh, we take this forward.
0: From the news that is coming from the G7 meetings, right, the Russian issue seems to be front and center in the discussion right now. The G7 countries are quite united in their approach to Russia, whereas as far as g20 countries are concerned including india there are there is a far more layered reasoning and strategies right now do you see this coming in the way of consensus building and working together between the two platforms
1: uh, definitely uh, the the idea of uh, sanctions the idea of uh, quantum of sanctions the idea of bandwidth of sanctions these all would probably be uh, uh, taking all the countries on the table uh, uh, in different directions. Um, initiatives that India and uh, Brazil and South Africa have launched uh, in the past, uh, if I can call them the IPSA countries, uh, their positioning, their articulation has been uh, quite different. They have abstained. Uh, from voting in the un uh, they have abstained from uh, 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 commenting in public in terms of how uh, the uh, uh, russian position is to be explained etc those dimensions are absolutely clear but whenever required india has not uh, missed words in terms of advising russia to follow uh, the global norms and and that's what uh, Brazil has also done, uh, South Africa has also done in their own way. So from that point of view, I see the opportunity of uh, some of these countries going in in different directions. So that consensus may not arrive, but I do not think if G7 or uh, uh, the invited countries on the table all are looking for a collective statement at the end of the day. Probably it would be only the G7 declaration that would bring in the G7 consensus. And these countries on the table, the outreach countries, may not have to be part of the declaration that G7 countries may have. Obviously, the issues for the Europe are, are far more uh, challenging the idea of nato and nato's positioning probably would shift uh, from uh, germany uh, to madrid where the nato countries would be meeting
0: right okay one last question then uh, uh, dr chaturvedi uh, net net what are the kind of outcomes that india can expect to come out of g7 than that it will find to its advantage now on one hand we talked about energy a little bit uh, the eu has already set a deadline on when they will stop purchasing Russian energy, uh, does that again bring about greater pressure on India uh, to to do something similar? On climate change, uh, ahead of of the COP meetings in in Egypt later this year, uh, in the earlier meetings in Bonn, India has reiterated its stand that it has had at the climate change conference. Is there something uh, uh, positive that India might look forward to? Or if there is anything else that you see coming out of the G7 that India might find to its advantage?
1: I think uh, uh, deep in these uh, uh, platforms, global platforms, uh, it is no more very important to see the outcome. Probably conversations themselves also are badly needed. The situations, the positions, the uh, articulations all are varying and sometimes to uh, 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 bring in divergences, plurality of perspectives and explaining the ground realities. And it is important that the world's uh, top leadership should sit together, should talk to each other, bring out the differences in opinions and approaches. And Prime Minister Modi has been doing this fantastically well in terms of explaining the positions that, uh, that we are having. And same role at the same time, uh, the external affairs minister is doing in, uh, in Africa. At the Chogam. So, you are realizing that the importance of explaining our position is as important as to have a position. And unfortunately, now we have a government which is taking positions, which is explaining the position and convincing the global leadership. So, from that perspective, I see this as a great uh, opportunity for us to explain. That's number one. Number two, in terms of net gains and, uh, and outcomes of this, uh, I, I see no pressure in terms of we uh, uh, feel uh, uh, stressed in terms of uh, energy purchase from Russia. We have never been a major demandor, nor we need any counter guarantees for that. Uh, but uh, uh, the global options have been restrained and, and have been squeezed. We are prepared and we have, uh, uh, in fact, uh, uh, so far taken far less than the European countries. There is no intent to, to increase it as we hear from the leadership. But I think uh, 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 the uh, uh, changing position from uh, uh, Europe uh, uh, to U.S. on this front is, is, is equally important. What is getting also shattered in this uh, uh, energy equilibrium uh, is the idea of petrodollars. And that would bring in new pressure on the way global financial architecture and payment gateways are are, uh, construed to be understood in terms of the new uh, currency and the new uh, dollar equilibrium that the world would see. So that is another important dimension out of this. Your second component uh, of your question is about uh, uh, climate change discussions that have happened in Bonn, and and, and we would be articulating. Yes, we would be articulating, I think, the same position. PM yesterday mentioned uh, uh, in his uh, discussions with diaspora in a very passing way, but I'm sure uh, today in the session, uh, it would get highlighted in terms of how uh, we take our positions far more clear on on climate change. So that, I think, uh, would be extremely
0: important. Dr. Sachin Chaturvedi, thank you so much for joining us on Interpreting India. Thank you. And thank you, dear listeners, for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode. To make sure you don't miss it, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more about our research and team, you can visit us at carnegieindia.org. You can also find us on social media on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for listening and see you next time.